a Podcast One production. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. Every week we discuss an issue of international relevance, importance, top of the agenda, um, of interest, and then we break it down. And, Keith, there is no one more renowned than you. You can go down the history of knowledgeable people around the world for knowing so much about international politics. Um, you've been doing this for many, many years, three PhDs on the subject matter. You've been a media commentator on all these sorts of international political issues for decades. I'm nowhere near that specialised. I'm just a radio background, TV background, producer, help put this podcast together, but years of it. So I do kind of know how to break things down, as do you. You're the master of it. So that is a little bit about the podcast. This week we're going to talk about Trump and whether he is destined to fail. Yes, this is uh, something which occurred to me, as you know, we're in the middle of this impeachment crisis in the United States. So uh, what we looked at is that he has been impeached. In other words, this is a decision made by the lower house to accuse Donald Trump of certain crimes. Then he goes for trial in the Senate, and that's where we're at at the moment. My mind, in terms of thinking about something new to say about the impeachment crisis, went back to a book written by the late James David Barber, who died a few years ago. So he was an American political scientist, and he pioneered the application of psychology to presidential leadership styles. And he then wrote a book in 1972 which foreshadowed that Richard Nixon was going to run into problems. Now, he had no idea that it was going to be Watergate that brought him down. He just simply said that he had the type of mindset, the presidential character, which would end up in a disaster. So I thought what we'd look at are the four different styles of of leadership and uh, we'll finish with Donald Trump and Richard Nixon, Lyndon Johnson. So these tragic figures are all in that same category. So what James David Barber did was to argue that you can analyse people. He chose presidents, but if I'm at a boring committee meeting, I also work out people under these four headings as well. You can divide everybody into being either active or passive and being positive or negative. So that gives you four categories. So if you look at the active, positive presidents, these are people who want to get things done. They're life-enhancing. They've got tremendous self-confidence. They're willing to learn on the job, open to new ideas. And so you're looking back over American history, Thomas Jefferson, one of the early presidents of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt, who was a cousin of Franklin Roosevelt, and Franklin Roosevelt as well. So those two Roosevelts from two sides of the family, they were a creative, well, in the case of of, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, a weak kid from New York who went to the Old West, as we would call it, and toughened himself up and was a very ebullient sort of individual. So he'd move into a room, there's always tremendous buzz and excitement. So that's Teddy Roosevelt, after whom Teddy Webb, by the way, are named, right? So there's Theodore Roosevelt. Then you get Franklin Roosevelt and John Kennedy, and I would include Bill Clinton. So these are not necessarily people of whom I would approve. I certainly don't approve of Bill Clinton, but they are people with a particular sort of approach to life. They are active. They want to give things a go. They want to learn new ideas, open to new ideas. So they're active, positive. In my view, 
is that the active positive people are very exciting to be around. They can also lead into trouble, like John Kennedy getting into Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they are an excitement to be around. From a media point of view, they are fantastic. Then, so I'll come back to the active negative because that's where Trump and Johnson and Nixon all hang out. Let me get on to the second category, which are those that are passive and positive. So they're not terribly active, but they're genial and they're relaxed, they're easygoing, and they want to avoid conflicts among their colleagues. Someone like Ronald Reagan, for example, he used to quote the expression, I've been told that hard work never hurts anybody, but I didn't want to risk it. So that's Ronald Reagan, nice and relaxed, always full of jokes, great personality. And I've also included in that category Barack Obama. In other words, someone who, um, uh, as I say, genial, easygoing, avoided conflict among close colleagues and really didn't actually achieve very much. You know, he was in office for eight years, but only really got big reforms through in the first two years. The other six really were not that successful. Uh, I realise he's got a bit of a cult following, but when you actually look at what he's set out to achieve or what he could have done, he could have got out of Afghanistan, but he didn't. He could have got out of Iraq, but didn't. Instead, he took America deeper into the Middle East by getting involved in Syria and and Libya. So he he wanted to avoid conflict between his very hard-headed Secretary of State, that's Mrs Clinton, and other people. So he sort of drifted along. It's interesting in regard to Libya, for example, um, the removal of Colonel Gaddafi, which in retrospect, in my view, has been a disaster. And Barack Obama has said it was a disaster. Mrs Clinton regards it as one of her biggest successes. That's but of quite... Mm. Yeah, you see, so, that, that, so uh, passive positive uh, presidents, as I say, they're genial, they're relaxed. Good at he, world politics, here. they're diplomatic by nature. Yeah, yeah, they want to avoid conflicts. And then you've got the passive negative. In other words, they're people who really don't like the work, they really don't want to be in the White House, and they're negative. How do those sorts of people even get elected? It's astonishing to me that you even get one of those categories there. Out of a sense of duty. So the two standard examples that uh, James David Barber used to quote were George Washington and Dwight Eisenhower. In other words, both agreed to serve in the White House really under duress. George Washington was famous because he had led the American forces in the War of Independence, the American Revolution, got rid of the British rule in North America, or at least in what we now call the United States, and really wanted to get back to the family farm at Mount Vernon. And he was prevailed upon out of a sense of duty to the new nation to become president and was prevailed upon to serve a second term in office. And he created the idea that presidents don't serve more than two consecutive terms in office. General Eisenhower, a military hero, he led the forces on D-Day in 1944. He had already gone down in history. He didn't need to go into the White House. Uh, He didn't really enjoy being in the White House. And so like Washington did it out of a sense of duty as a patriotic American. So they're not that easy to to get elected, as you say. You know, they're passive and they're negative. But if you're a person of sufficiently high standing, then people will come to you and say it is your duty to serve your country 
by being in the White House. In the case of Dwight Eisenhower, the Republican Party wasn't even sure if he had ever voted Republican or whether it ever votes at all. Remember, voting is not compulsory in the United States. So the Democrats could easily have gone to Eisenhower and said, we would like you to be our candidate in the 1952 election. Harry Truman was not standing again for election, so the field was wide open and the Republicans got him first. And so Eisenhower was a, a, a very moderate Republican. He, he was an excellent Republican figure in the sense that he avoided the extremism that we'd seen of previous Republicans. By the way, he would not be eligible to join Trump's political party now. Oh. <laughs> he was far too moderate, too easygoing, but he managed to keep the Republican Party, for a while anyway, back into the centre stream of the American way of life. So Dwight Eisenhower was useful as president and tried to keep America out of a lot of wars. Unfortunately, had a very strong-minded head of CIA who got America involved in all sorts of issues. We're not sure the extent to which he was working with the president for some of these overseas adventures. So there you're active, ne- uh, active negative. So you've got people who are active and positive. They're life-enhancing. They're great to be around, but they might get you into trouble, like the Vietnam War. Mm. Then you have the, the passive... Uh, positives, who are genial, easygoing, nice to be around, but they're not necessarily going to make major achievements. And then you get the the, uh, passive negatives who really don't want to be there at all, but they're there out of a sense of calling and honour for their country. And then the fourth category will be Donald Trump. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. We're talking today about whether Donald Trump is destined to fail and it's based on the categorisation of of other presidents into four different categories. Keith, did you want to quickly recap? Yep, so you've got the the active positives, you've got the passive positives and you've got the passive negatives. So the fourth category are the active negatives. So this is Donald Trump, who you who you always sold that as him being in a category of his own, which he, <laughs> I'm sure he's not. He's However, not, and that's exactly what got me thinking about uh, this topic. This I write for Online Opinion, which is a Queensland online magazine, and I was thinking about what I could say about the impeachment crisis, and I just remembered the talks I used to give, but based on the book by James David Barber, who wrote a book called The Presidential Character. And he came to fame for predicting that Richard Nixon, who's an active negative, would run into problems. So an active negative is someone who is certainly very active. In the case of Donald uh, Trump, for example, because we can tell from his Twitter feeds, we can see what hours he keeps. In the middle of the night, he's issuing tweets. So throughout the day, he's issuing tweets. So he obviously does sleep sometimes, but, you know, his activity can be gauged by his Twitter account, which suggests that he survives a little sleep. So he's certainly active, but the negative outlook comes from his lack of humour and his Twitter statements, which are full of complaints. He enjoys his job simply because of all the attention that he receives and the scope for building up the Trump financial empire. So his Washington, D.C. hotel is now a mecca for lobbyists. So if you want to meet Donald Trump, you go and sit in the bar and he'll walk past you. But he does not convey any enjoyment of being in the role. Unlike Clinton or Kennedy, they loved being president. Trump doesn't convey that sense of enjoyment. He's always scowling. 
He's always angry. But he um, does seem to love the power, Keith. He loves with the it. power, but it's a driven sort of uh, outlook on life, which is hence the negative attitude. So active negative presidents are impulsive and they have problems in managing their aggressive feelings. They see themselves living in a world of enemies out to get them and they thrive on conflict. So James David Barber, who died back in 2004, looking at these presidential categories, said Lyndon Johnson was an active negative. So in the sense that Lyndon Johnson is also somebody who survived on very little sleep, incredibly energetic, but not much of a sense of humour. He was a very driven personality. The uh, establishment were out to get him, all those smart Kennedy people who uh, looked down on him because he was a, a poor kid from the hills of Texas. He'd had a very tough early life. He'd made up for it later by going into politics and making a lot of money out of being a politician. But he had certainly started in great poverty and just saw the world as being against him. So that makes him the active negative. He's reacting against these people. He is spurred on for his hatred of the people he thinks are putting him down. And then Richard Nixon, his successor, is also an active negative person. So Richard Nixon also, coincidentally, from a poor background, a very hard early life, again, did very well, very smart president, but not someone who conveyed any enjoyment out of being president. Um, He certainly had successes. He opened up uh, China. He disowned his, he threw his own conservative wing of the Republican Party under a bus, but he improved relations with China. He improved relations with the Soviet Union. He was a very shrewd operator who really disowned his earlier career being anti-communist. You know, he finished by being a hero in China and causing consternation, well, not only on the right, but also on the left because a lot of left-wing communist parties saying, well, you know, how can we be critical of America if they're getting on good terms with our heroes in China or our heroes in the Soviet Union? So he was a transforming president, but he, he saw himself as being surrounded by enemies. And, and that may be one of the reasons why we had the Watergate break-in. He had won the, the election, his first election, then he was standing for re-election back in 1972. The Watergate break-in, Watergate was in a building in Washington that housed the Democratic National Committee. And so there was a break-in in that building and the, the people were caught. Very interesting. They, I might just say that just shows how poor media coverage can be. The White House press corps were told by the White House, oh, look, that's not a story for us. And the White House press corps agreed with it. But it was two local young reporters... Woodward and Bernstein, both of whom have got on to great things. But these were two young reporters who said, this is really odd. All the people who were arrested were white and Washington is 80% black. Crime is a black monopoly. What are these white fellows doing there? Who were they? Well, of course, they turned out to be ex-CIA people. (laughs) So that's what got them interested. And then, of course, you then get that whole process getting underway beginning in June 1972, and it runs all the way through until his resignation in August 1974. Nixon resigned before he was going to be impeached because his own Republican supporters said to Nixon, we can't now protect you because of all this new stuff that's coming out. It remains unclear to this day to what extent Nixon was actually behind the Watergate break-in 
but it is certainly the case that he was coaching the the criminals who did it in how to avoid being arrested, how to behave while on trial, which is that. And so he he was going to get caught on the obstruction of justice issue, which remember is an issue that Trump is facing. But what I find fascinating, you have Johnson, a Democrat, followed by a Republican, Richard Nixon, both active negative people, hardworking, driven individuals, no sense of joy in their lives, and they both ended up as a tragedy. And James David Barber said, according to my calculations, Richard Nixon is doomed to fail. He's destined to fail. What about their approval ratings throughout their period of time? Do you have any read of, and this is throwing you under the bus here if you don't know the answer, Keith, because you usually know everything, but was there any sort of gauge on how popular each of these categories are in terms of approval ratings when they're in office? So oh, do you yeah, have- well, we know that Johnson did very well when he stood for re-election back in 1964. He was up against Senator Goldwater, who was an extremist. Uh, so Eisenhower, who would try to get the Republican Party to move to the centre, by this time with Senator Goldwater, Goldwater was taking you out onto the far right. And Johnson was able to put himself in the middle, saying, I'm a moderate person. And the same with uh, Richard Nixon, who in 1972 scored one of the most overwhelming victories of any president in the re-election campaign in 1972. So remember, the break-in was June of 72. It was just simmering along throughout 1972. The election comes along in November and he wins practically every state in the union. Uh, it's a remarkable success by Nixon. So, again, very popular. So these are the active negatives. So they just look like they're, they're presented as hardworking, driven, driven, um, yeah. proactive, but they don't necessarily have a positive outlook or, you know, no, they happiness don't, about because them. Because <laughs> they, they, they think the world's out to get them. So it's the Eastern elite that are out to get Lyndon Johnson. It's the, well, it's the Eastern elite out to get Richard Nixon as well. So, you know, they live... Uh, in, a, in a world where there are people out to get them uh, that you know, Nixon actually composed what he called the enemies list. Uh, so these are the people that he, he was particularly going to be targeting. So you get both those individuals who uh, are really hostile to the outside world. Sure, they're, they're achieving things. Now, Lyndon Johnson's tragedy is that although he's remembered the Vietnam War, he actually made Barack Obama possible. He was a person who pushed through the civil rights legislation that enabled a person like Barack Obama to be get elected to the US Congress as a, a senator. So Johnson has had a, done a lot of good in his life, but because of his, his personality, somehow he ends up smashing up against the wall and he resigned in 1968. He decided he would not stand for re-election. He would have done because he was just his first term in office was just the residue of Kennedy's period. Remember, Kennedy was assassinated in November 1963. Johnson really could have stood for re-election in 1968, but chose not to. And, of course, Nixon resigned from office. And so we're now confronted with another person in Trump who I think is also active negative. Mm. And so the question then is, is he um, therefore destined to fail? The answer is yes. He's, he's going to, I think... Based on this book by James David Barber, he will fail. There will be problems uh, with him because it's just part of his personality. And he's also divisive by nature as opposed to bringing people together. He divides them. Yeah, exactly. 
and he sees the world one of enemies and he's always fighting against those enemies. He'll survive, I'm sure, the impeachment crisis, but that'll then make him even more reckless. And so who knows what problems we could have, particularly if he gets re-elected in November. As always, shining a light on the important issues. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app. 